Good morning, Sean. How are you doing this morning? Morning, Phil. Doing well. Doing good so far. See how the day goes. The day will go how it goes, and then how you deal with it in your mind is up to you. Is it a good day? Is it a bad day? Only you will decide. We'll be back in a moment. Have you ever wondered, is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of open, Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Well, so on this, what we're going to talk about today, uh, just this aspect here just kind of transpiring from uh, recent uh, events and uh, things going on from the gathering perspective and Anna Ruth meeting somebody and then um, for me it just kicked in a, a big thought process and uh, it's all good because in this day and age neither men nor women know how to be a man or woman of God because of the programming. Now we, in circumcision of the heart, we start in a process of reverting and changing and going back to what our original design was. But once you've been programmed, you still have a lot of, you've got to deprogram it. You've got to get rid of the bad programming and then you have to put in the good programming. And in this day and age, we have all kinds of ideas of what a man's supposed to be, what a woman's supposed to be. Uh, as you grew up in this life, Sean, you were trained as in your mind as to what you think a man should be just as much as I was trained that way. And uh, little girls growing up in this world are trained to the, the same but opposite, same from the opposite perspective. If you're trained by what man does and what, man, well, mankind, not man specifically, but mankind has trained you to be something completely different in uh, thought, attitude, work ethic, uh, pretty much every area that God intended for a good objective, a functional purpose, we have turned for dysfunction. And this isn't the pinpoint of 
it's the fault of one specific person or it's the fault of women or and it's the fault or it's the fault of men. No, it's a combination of both because we've talked about this recently. And the reality is, is that no matter what you do, you have a reason why you do what you do. And that reason, I'm not saying that you consciously know the reason you did what you did. But the reason you did what you did was buried in your subconscious. That's where your computer program is. And then it just comes out because it's programmed. It's buried within your mind that because it's subconscious, it's below the conscious mind, so it's not things that you have to consciously think about. You just do them because you're programmed, and there's a reason behind it. And the biggest reason that anybody without faith in God is doing what they do it all boils back to selfishness. It all boils back to doing what you think is best for you. And again, this goes back to when uh, the word says, love your neighbor as yourself, because you're always going to, in your mind, you think that what you're doing for yourself is the best thing for you. When you forego thinking about yourself, first and think about somebody else and you start doing what's best for them, then you start to learn that, wow, what I've been doing that I think is best for me is what I've been programmed to think is best for me. And that's why I do it. And there may be be people who will argue, you know, the fact that they do something for somebody. Well, I just wanted to I just wanted to do this for this person. Yeah. Okay. But why did you really want to do it? And a lot of times the sign of it comes out. You do something for somebody and they don't acknowledge it or they don't thank you. And then all of a sudden you're bent out of shape because you didn't get thanked, well, it's respect, and that's what it is. It's respect, and you should, no, it's because you did it because you wanted the uh, acclaim given to you, the glory of, look what I've done. I did something good, and you you try to do these things in order for to do what's best for you and you're programmed that way. You don't you don't just sit one day and automatically that's what happens. You just you just do it just because. No. There's a series of programming that you go through from infancy. The things you see, the things you hear, the things you touch, the things you taste, everything. Everything has an effect on your programming. And this is why when somebody grows up in an abusive family, they're either going to end up being an abuser or being abused by somebody. It's not their intention. They don't think, yeah, I I, I like being abused, so 
that's that's what I want to do. Now it's part of their programming, and they can't help it. They find somebody who is similar to their dad or their mom, and that person is mistreating them. And I, uh, well, why? Because that's what they've seen, and you you will become your parents whether you like it or not because especially the predominant and not just necessarily a parent because you could have two parents that are working and that kid's being raised by somebody else. Well, that kid's going to end up growing up and being like the main caregiver, not like the parents. So the main caregiver may have qualities and there may be some what we call good qualities, but without faith in God, and I'm doing everything I do for myself for self-preservation, though I don't want to admit that, then what good is it? Is it really good, me doing these things? Is it really, yeah, it serves a function of selfishness, so it does have a function, but that's not the function that we want to be involved in. We want to be involved in the function of selflessness. And what's interesting is that in this world today, you see it all over, that they got this big question out about what is a man? I mean, what is a woman? Okay. And you have people who are quote-unquote, supposed to be uh, Christians that are bringing this aspect up and arguing this aspect with others about what a woman is, and they themselves don't even know what a woman is from God's perspective. The only way you can know what a woman is from God's perspective is have faith in God and see it from God's perspective. See it from their uh, vantage point from where they look at it from, not from where you look at it from because you've been programmed by corruption, by corrupt man and woman in this world. And so I find it interesting that people claim faith and think they know all this stuff about what is a man and what is a woman and they get in arguments with people about it. It's like, why would you even get in an argument? State your case. If if it comes up, if the question comes up and you're asked, state your case and then move on. But you spend your life trying to convince everybody else that you're right, which tells you that you don't know you're right. Because when we know we're right in accordance with the truth of God, why would I argue any point rather than make a statement, speak it with the authority God gives because it's not my statement, it's God's, it's truth, it's absolute truth, I know it's truth. I'm not going to argue, I'm not going to get in a big, uh, in a big discussion because ultimately, if you watch some of those, uh, the people that are having this argument back and forth, 
both sides are doing it to try to get the glory of I'm right and I'm going to prove I'm right. And with the aspect of psychology that we've talked about before, the more you try to convince somebody of something they don't want to accept, the more they're not going to accept it, the more they're going to dig in and they're going to fight back. And then when they start to fight back and you can see it in these back and forth uh, arguments and one will walk away thinking that, yeah, I, I told that person and the other person's walking away sometimes with the same feeling uh, sometimes they just don't, they, well, I just don't know how to express this, but where the reality is, is that whatever truth is, truth will stand by itself. I don't have to argue with you about what truth is because truth stands alone. S- truth was there before man was created. Truth will be there when this creation is done away with. The truth will always be there and the truth will always remain the same. And there are no 50, 100,000 shades of gray. Well, the gray, there are, but not with God. With God, it's black and white. It's plain and simple, laid out. But why do people want to put the gray in there? So I can feel good. So I can feel comfortable so I can feel like I'm going to be okay because, well, we got this gray area. And if you pay attention to the things of God, that there is no gray in the things of God. You look at the things in the Bible and what God said. Did God say, okay, Joshua, when you go into this land, um, well, you can either kill the people or not. And you can either follow their idols or set their idols aside. Um, uh, you just decide what you're going to do. Uh, say, you know, coming out of Egypt into the desert, they disobeyed God. And a whole generation in 40 years had to pass away and die because they weren't going to get to go into the promised land because they didn't follow the black and white of God. You think there's there's going to be gray in the midst of it. And here's the thing. When we talk about this, this aspect here of uh, the spirit, um, because the spirit is the ultimate uh, like picture of what a woman should be. But one if people aren't teaching that the spirit of God is a female, it's the mother aspect of the family unit, then how can a female learn to live and act and do in accordance with her created design if she's never been told this is your created design, that you have somebody to look up to, you have somebody to uh, mirror the image of, but you have to figure out what that is because in this world, they're not teaching women in this day and age how to be a godly woman. 
no more than they're teaching any man in this day and age to be a godly man. And when you're taught, when you're, you're taught about being a godly woman or being a godly man, then you'll scoff at it you'll, because that's not what your programming is. And so it's really important that you dig into your programming. And we've talked about this before. This is a, just an important, uh, not really a side note, but I'll call it a side note. But when we talk about shaking the subconscious and rending the past, when we talk about digging into the subconscious, we're not talking about just digging in to figure out, yeah, I do that, yep. No, the if you're really going to dig in and shake that subconscious, you've got to dig in, figure out that you that you see that you're doing the thing that you're doing that's not appropriate. And then because you see it's not appropriate, now you have to go back and figure out, okay, where did this start? What what is the core the start of this issue that I have, what trauma, what tragedy, what situation, what thing took place that I in my mind said, I'm going to do this. Because if you don't, if you don't dig back to that moment, you can't change it. You can only change it when you go back to that moment, you see the situation that took place, you see the decision you made as a younger person or as a child, you evaluated against the truth of God. Well, okay, I can see where that was for self-preservation that I decided to do this and I carried that on for 40 years, 50 years. I'm not doing that anymore. I see that that decision back when I was five years old was not appropriate and I'm not going to be like that. I'm changing it to this right decision in this perspective. And we've got tons of stuff in our lower conscience that's programmed there that it'd be like a computer. How do you know what the programming of a computer is unless you're a computer programming and you get into the programming and you go into it and well why do we have this problem why do we have that one well we got to figure out where where did the computer programmer uh go off base and program it wrong then we've got to go back to that spot take out that programming and put in the appropriate programming in order to optimize our faith and our life but in order to do this to a grand scale, you can do it uh, some um, because God gives you the physical so that you can understand the spiritual. So you can do it some, but you can't optimize it. You can't come to a great place of peace and comfort with who you are by changing these things without faith in God. And that's why it's important that we, when we talk about these things, we're talking about you approaching these things from a faith perspective, from a seeking God with all of your heart, aside from that, it benefits you nothing. So what does it matter for you to uh, get rid of one problem when you've got a thousand more that you are incapable of getting and saying because you're not following the truth of God? 
And so all this stuff really ties into the programming of what we've been programmed in this life to think a man is and what we've been programmed to think a woman is. And you cannot, with absolution, you cannot use this day and age and what is determined as male and female to determine the truth of God when it comes to this perspective. The ultimate aspect is you have to go back and you have to go back to the origin. And this isn't just for this aspect of uh, women and men. And this is every aspect of your life that would cause you to sin. Well, we have the ability in circumcision of the heart to remove those things that we do not have sin, but it's not easy. And it's, it takes work for you to change something. Take something that think about something like a food product that you don't like, that you know, you don't like how much work is it going to take for you to determine that you're going to like that food product. It's going to be uh, difficult for you to learn to like that, but it's going to take time. It's going to take over and over of you taking it and convincing yourself that you like it. Eventually you will like it, but if you get to a point where you're like, yeah, okay, well, I can eat this now. But then you don't continue in on it and you don't continue to eat it. Guess what? Yeah, you've gotten to a point where you can tolerate it, but you didn't get to the point where you liked it. Because if you get to the point where you like it, then well, I want to have that more often. I want to have it uh, all the time. And this is one of the biggest fallacies that is laid out in Christianity of the whole except Jesus as Lord and Savior, you can't fix it in a moment. All your brokenness, all the things that you have, and you may have had that broken state, and you've been convinced, you've been programmed to think that you can fix it in a moment, and you can't. It takes process and time, and it takes grit and determination for you to uh, dig in, seek after Abba, find Abba as a terrorist, and then surrender or decide you're going to rebel and fight against God is your choice. And then if you surrender, then that doesn't, that puts you in a place where, okay, well, I've surrendered, but I don't believe in it yet. I believe that God is, has the power to do these things, but I don't believe in it yet. And then when you believe in it, that's when you repent to God that, no, I believe in everything that you're about, everything you do, it doesn't matter what it looks like to me in my human form. This is one of the greatest reasons that we were given the beautiful picture of trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Well, why would God say that? Because they know that your programming is going to be the thing that you're going to want to revert on, to, to you're going to want to look at and trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Then, in all your ways, acknowledge them. 
and they will make your path straight. And so, uh, Sean, do you have any thoughts as we're getting into this? And I'm sure you do, because there's always uh, thoughts of truth and mother's guidance along the way. So I'll turn it over to you, and we'll see where mother goes, and then we'll continue after that. This world has so much focus on everybody telling everybody else what they need to do to fix whatever problem they have without first pointing the finger back at yourself. We actually spoke about this recently at our gathering time. Messiah made it clear, be careful what you do because we have the blind leading the blind. And if two people are blind, then they both fall into the pit. The best fix that you can have for somebody else is for you to figure out where you're doing it and you make a change and you live that change to lead the other person. And I know in my life, I've spent so much time in this attempting to get other people to change things by telling them to change. You need to change this. You need to change that. But ultimately, Messiah taught on this. You look at a speck in somebody else's eye, but you don't consider the log in your own eye. What he's referring to with this is your lower conscience is that log. It's not that you're, you're completely to where you can't see anything, but you have so much that you're not seeing that the speck that you see in somebody else is actually, you're seeing it, it's actually you, but to you, it's a speck instead of a log. The best thing we can do with what we're doing with this podcast is to put the truth on the table and it's up to people to pick up the truth, chew on it, digest it, keep eating it, drinking of the living water. And it just speaks to me about with the men and women, men are attempting to tell women what they have to do and women are fighting back because of the programming and women are attempting to tell men what they need to do and in the whole time both sides are blind not understanding the truth of what they're supposed to do and you can't help each other all you do is fights and quarrels will come about and this isn't from an aspect of it's all the time fights and quarrels it's but there are fights and quarrels because of selfishness how can we help anybody if we're not a fir- if we're not first applying the truth to ourselves then we can clearly see how to help somebody else and messiah said this is that first remove the log out of your own eye evaluate what you're doing and you're able to do this with faith in yah evaluate why you're doing what you're doing and make changes and see with the help of the truth of God, see where you're doing it and make the correction. And then you are then qualified to help somebody else. And I've done this. And that's why I can speak of this is I've spent so much time looking to attempt to fix somebody else by telling them the truth. Even if you tell somebody the truth and leave it alone, you cannot fix that person. The only fix that can be done is you can only fix yourself. You are not capable to fix anybody else. Even if Yah says, tell Phil this, tell Josh this, tell them this, you tell them 
it's up to them to apply it because then they can then evaluate it, make the necessary change. But then just as you said, that what can be done in a moment is a mind change. The heart will follow after the mind change, but you have to practice those things. So in a moment, you can make a change in a moment, which is the mind change. But the heart, the um, you, you set the mind so that then it can get into your heart because the, and I have this backwards for some reason, that the actions will always follow the heart. The heart does not follow the actions. So with this, and yes, we're focusing on the female aspect of Yah because this is not being taught. Women are not being taught, or a lot of women don't understand the fact that you have the absolute perfect role model to live a godly life as a woman who is mother, and nobody knows better than mother what being a female is and how to live this aspect the right way. And if you're not aware of it, and you don't have scripture, you don't have the word of God to show you, then even if we were to tell you, and we will speak the truth of God on this, unless you embrace it and you accept the truth of God, then there's not going to be any change anyway. But what this is, is to help women to see, and ultimately in this, women should be teaching this to other women. Yes, we're presenting this, but it's, it's the female responsibility to teach other women, just as it's our responsibility to teach other men. And we speak the truth of God, and this is to help women. But ultimately, the best examples for women are going to be godly women living as mother does to be the example to other women so that they can see, okay, now I can clearly see the example. I have an example to follow because my mother is doing the very best she can to walk as the the word says in Proverbs 31 in the book of Judges talking about Deborah and her role and talking about the prophetesses and different things like that. It even mentions in the New Testament talking about Chloe. I can't remember what that is, but the there's godly women. And we know that women speak in church because if women didn't have a voice in the church, then mother has no voice in all of this, which she obviously does. So it was just, as I was just, as Sergio says, marinating, thinking about what you're saying and just thinking about the the word of God in regards to godly women in that example, is that there's so much finger pointing and this is, and I've done this as well, that so much finger pointing is away from ourselves and the finger pointing before we bring up anything to anybody else, the finger pointing must be to ourselves first so that we evaluate ourselves and make a change so that we then have the authority to speak to somebody else. Because if we want to really help somebody else, the best help is us living the right way. And then that's the best way to help somebody else. But we've been trained through the programming that the best way to help somebody else is to tell them what they're doing wrong. And I'm going to tell you in a anger way to get your attention and that'll make you change. How many times you, as a kid, well, just wait till your dad gets home and you're going to get that punishment. Oh yeah. And that'll fix you. That'll fix you. Right. Instead of the father gets home. Well, do you realize what you've done? We're going to have a conversation about why this is wrong. And if you do this again, here's the consequence. It's not going to be full of wrath and rage. It's just going to be, Hey, this is the rule. 
you, you broke this rule. If you break this rule again, this is the punishment. And then when the rule is broken, not out of frustration, but you broke this rule, here's the punishment. And that's the way to teach appropriately is the godly way. And that's what we're reprogramming now. This is a beautiful aspect of mother giving women the opportunity to have somebody that they can relate to instead of you're in a society of programming that when you hear about submission, well, here it is, men are doing it again, telling women what they have to do. When we talk about submission, we're not telling people what they have to do. We're just telling you what the truth of God is. You answer to Yah on if you decide to do it or not, you ultimately will. And submission, just we would bring up that or living as a man. Men are going to have to answer to God why you didn't live the life of a godly man as well. This is just so important to understand, once again, why the Old Testament is important. Because in the Old Testament, the First Testament, we have beautiful examples of godly women. But when the Old Testament isn't talked about or brought out, or well, you don't need that. Why would anybody go to it and think that anything in the Old Testament is going to help me now? And again, it's on people. It's their own choice to not look at the Old Testament. But from programming, you go to a, a church. You don't need the Old Testament. It's all the New Testament. It's all about the Spirit is He, 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 He. All right, well, it's all about men. So what role do I have? So all I, get, I just walk around and just have to do what everybody tells me to do. And well, that's not living a life of peace. And this isn't just for the women as well. It's for the men. Men find what your calling is according to God and live that and quit pointing the finger at other men or other women telling them what they have to do. That's what I see in society is you turn on the news, you turn on YouTube videos, Facebook, everybody is pointing the finger at everybody else telling you where they're wrong. They need to change. They're stupid. They're dumb. How much do you see somebody going on and saying, you know what? I'm not going to talk about what other people are doing anymore. I'm going to talk about what I'm doing and I'm going to change myself. Not that that doesn't happen, but I don't see videos like that. I see how everybody else is an idiot. Everybody else is racist. Everybody else is this. And should we really be asking the question, what a woman is in a society that we're in? If we don't understand what a woman is, then we've got deeper problems and the thing is, people know what a woman is. People know what a man is. It's You're just looking for an agenda of selfishness to be carried out. And we don't have anything of the Word of God that says, what is a woman? What is a man? Like in those questions, like we can't figure it out. We have no idea. But in the Word of God, we do have what a woman is and what a man is. We have the examples of that. But those, as we get into this, those were my thoughts is that there's so much finger pointing away from the person and attempting to fix somebody else in order to make it better for you. If you want it better for you, don't be concerned about what other people are doing. Be concerned about what you're doing or not doing. Find your peace internally because peace is always and forever will be internal. Peace is not external. Peace is a result of war. War must come before peace comes. It's not the opposite. People think, well, we'll just have peace and there'll be no battles. There'll be no, no, then you don't have peace. Peace is a byproduct of going to war. Peace is an effect. Peace is a state of being, but chaos must be put to death 
in order for peace to be there. Peace just isn't a blanket that falls from heaven that falls on you. Peace is a result of evaluation and putting to death chaos. So those are my thoughts as we get into this. And just I'm going to give you an opportunity to uh, just clarify something because um, you did make a statement that well, men and women they know they just they know. Uh, are you referring to consciously, subconsciously, or are you just referring to the fact that they know what the Word of God says and what God wants, and it's so it's it's a part of their pro their, not their programming. It's a part of their uh, the DNA of the human condition rather than they know because, and the only reason I bring that up is because that could seemingly seem like a contradiction to that uh, programming that people have had over years where they think they know what a man is or they think they know what a woman is. Uh, so I was just looking for uh, just a little clarification on that perspective. Um, just so we're clear to people listening. Yeah. It was just from the aspect of that you're, you're born a man, you're born a woman, you have the physical body parts of being a male and female to where I just see it as it's a, it's a way to, instead of embracing from the actual evidence of who you are and yes, the DNA, you can, you can take a man or woman's body and physically mutilate it to attempt to change it to a man or woman, but you are when you are born, you are a man or woman. That's something you don't have a choice in that that's given that I just see this as it's a suppression of the truth and it's a selfishness to get an agenda to suppress what you already know in order to get what you want to get it away from that actual aspect. That was the point is that, that you're born with male parts that you realize that and from your internal being that you're a man, but you're just attempting to say, well, if I say I don't know, then that means I don't have to answer for what I'm supposed to be. It was the aspect of it. Okay, so you weren't referring to the aspect of uh, the behavior of uh, uh, male or female. You were referring to the, uh, the actual biology, the actual biology of it. And uh, I just no, thank you for that because my again, when we speak this, this is ourselves. That your lower conscience, what's coming out of my mouth is what's out of the heart, and that's from programming of well. Why are people acting so, and this is just from coming to my mind, why are people acting so stupid as they don't know what a male or female is? You know what it is, but that's from my programming of it's so clear. Why don't you know? And again, that's my programming coming out, but that's, that's good because when we speak these things, speak what we know, not an opinion. And then therefore somebody will take that and say, oh, well this or that, but no, it was just from the aspect of you're born with the, the physical parts and biologically that it's clear to you. So why, why is that a problem? Because it's so evident. Right. But psychologically in this world, people don't know. Right. People have no idea what a man or what a woman is because that's what their programming has been. And that was just to uh, remove no, any kind of um, opportunity for somebody to uh, go in there. Cause I, I knew what you were saying is just, People don't, you're, I agree with you. People don't know from the actual psychological, biblical word of God perspective, what a man or woman is. I agree with you there. Yes. So this is more of what is evident from the, your biology that a male has these parts, a woman has these parts. What do we mean that we don't know? 
how to tell the difference. Correct. I agree. Right. And if you didn't know the difference, why would you want to change? So, I mean, that's the thing. There's a, there's a reason behind why you want to change. What, what tragedy, what trauma happened in your life that drove you to that aspect? What adult in your life, uh, gave you the ideas as a young child that this was okay. And then because of your programming, you would just go that way anyway. Uh, so it's really interesting because when we look at this objective and we will get into talking about, uh, Deborah and the Proverbs 31 woman, which we are anyway, but there's so many misconceptions and misunderstandings about the, uh, not the physical person, but what, what a man or what a woman is supposed to look like, what they're supposed to do. Uh, there's a German saying that uh, speaks to a woman being uh, in the kitchen, taking care of the children, and church. Those are the three aspects, which is, that's, it's not a bad thing. It's only bad when you take it to extreme, where you use what you think you know the idea that the woman's job and responsibility is to be the cook, to, to prepare the meals. Well, that's part of her responsibility. But women, when you, when you look at the Old Testament, women weren't the only ones that were cooking. Who did the cooking in the courtyard when the the sacrifices were offered and it was men that was doing that were doing that. And they were working in a combination that the, the women were taking care of the uh, baking, like the, the, uh, the raising cakes or the uh, unleavened bread and taking care of stuff like that. But a lot of times it was the men taking care of the meat and cooking. So the aspect that, well, a man's not supposed to be in the kitchen cooking and no, that's a, a programmed aspect of what you think, you know, because do we honestly think that Abraham would have forced Sarah to get up to make him food, especially like she's sick, she's ill in bed and who would have made the food? Abraham would have. It, it this the whole concept in the midst of this is not about an aspect of labor of who does what and one person does one thing now i cannot bear a child no man on the face of the earth can bear a child that that's that's a fact so that's something that only women can do but from a uh, from a working perspective in the family, the objective goal is not that, well, I take care of the car and you cook and that's the way it's supposed to be rather than we work unified together. Now, do I force my wife to change the oil in the car? Well, if she wants to, 
uh, learn how to do that. I can do it, but more than likely, she's going to have a difficult time getting the filter off because if you've ever changed your own oil, you know that sometimes it's a it's a challenge to get that filter off, and it takes strength, and sometimes it takes leverage. Sometimes you have to bite the bullet and drive a screwdriver through the filter, and then you get that leverage enough to twist it to get it off of there. And But that doesn't mean she can't do that. Now, we want to look at things from a different perspective than what the world has laid out there. Now, predominantly, if you look at, and, and a beautiful place to look at this is the Proverbs 31 woman and what she does. The key factor is that her first and main priority is the home stuff, making sure everybody's fed, making sure everybody's clothed, making sure everything's uh, in order. And then she goes out and she she purchases a uh, piece of property and grows a vineyard or she um, sells linens in the in the squares. But if you look at it, that's a secondary thing to what she does first. The first thing she does is take care of her household and her family. But that should be the objective as the, the male as well. And if you get caught up in thinking that, well, that's woman's work. Where do we have a display of that in the Bible? The, the objective goal between a man and a woman is to be unified together. But there are too many misconceptions about what you think a woman's supposed to do that you don't even know, but you're going off of your programming of what your programming has said. You're going off the programming of what you saw growing up. Uh, the uh, June Cleaver just always always in a dress when the husband comes home and oh is is that a pleasing thing uh, yes it can be i uh, but if it's a an expectation then then it's not really enjoyable it's you come in you want to uh, be greeted just as much as she comes in, she wants to be graded. We live in a day where too many, uh, there, there's too many, like, I can't think of the word. They, they, too many thoughts about, well, that's, you, you shouldn't be doing that. And like, if a woman wants to uh, look nice for her husband when he comes home from work or whatever, that, well, that's old. The, you know, you don't you don't have to waste your time doing that. It's like, well, if that's what you want to do and you truly want to do it, then by all means do it. When we talk about this aspect, there's really deep evaluation that needs to go in as well as looking into the old covenant, the original covenant, to see godly women and how they acted and what they did and 
even to the point that some women put wicked people to death. They, they killed somebody because that king, the one they'd had the, the tents uh, stake driven to his temple. Uh, well, she, she did that for the sake of God. And so, well, that's not a woman. A woman of God's willing to do anything that God wants her to do in order for the uh, the work of the kingdom. And this came up, this thinking about this came up because of our Wednesday night uh, when Anna Ruth had brought up the female pastor that she had been talking to. And that female pastor was interested in coming to one of our gatherings and Anna Ruth wanted to ask us. And that's why we're talking about it in the gathering, ask us if it would be okay if she came and uh, uh, yeah, we're fine with it. As long as somebody's not uh, being argumentative and uh, combative, the, we can have discussions. We can field questions. We can talk back and forth like uh, sensible people. And we're not going to argue with anybody, but, the way Anna Ruth was explaining it, her biggest concern was that we would ridicule her because she's a female pastor and she's been ridiculed for doing what she's been doing by Christians, people who will look at her in the position of being a pastor and, well, you're not supposed to, that's not what you're supposed to do. And from a truth perspective, that's a whole nother podcast. Uh, from a, we want to look at this from a reality perspective at this point. And so she was concerned, well, if I come, are they going to be mean because I'm a female pastor? And for her to even have to ask that question is shameful to Christianity, that you you have people that will berate somebody like that rather than, look, if you want to talk about it, we'll talk about the truth of it. And if you accept the truth, fine. If you don't, then go continue doing what you're doing. But here's what I find interesting. She, being in that position and being ridiculed by Christians, so I'm in this position, or she's in this position that she's not supposed to be in, and you feel self-righteous enough that you're going to be mean to her and uh, degrade her for doing something wrong, but yet you yourself sin. So you're, regardless of whether she's, she's in a right or wrong position, you're not dealing with your own sin in your own life, that you're not finding that place of being uh, without sin so that you can have a logical, sensible conversation with somebody and not argue and not get hateful and not get ugly about it because somebody disagreed with what you were saying or they didn't uh, do what you thought was exactly right. And so you point the finger, you look at the speck in her eye and do nothing 
about the log in your own eye. And I spent, not last night, uh, Thursday night, contemplating the aspect of her in that position and is it appropriate? What's, is, is that wrong? On all intentional purposes, one, the, the pastors, the preachers, the teachers in Christianity on teaching the truth, they're not doing it right anyway. So it, it's a moot point from that perspective. They're, they're not teaching the truth and they're not, they're not being assertive to uh, rebuke and remove people from the gatherings. And I was thinking about it. And is it designed for her from God to be in a position like that? I would say no. The, the word of God would say no. But is her doing what she's doing? In her doing what she's doing, is, is her actions wrong? And this would only be determined by a conversation. Okay, are you trying to force the men in your church to do things? Are you, are you being the authority over them that you tell them what to do when they have to do it? Or are you just speaking what you think or you know is true and you leave it up to them to make a decision? Because in this perspective, the the wrong would be in the fact of having trying to have authority over a man. Now, from the perspective of the word of God, the position of a pastor or a priest was always a male perspective. You have nowhere in the Levitical priesthood that uh, women were priests. You have nothing in the... Um, New Testament that shows you anything from a rabbinic perspective that you have rabbis that were female. And again, this is nothing against the female uh, person. It's that's what God designed. So if you operate it in accordance with the truth of God and the way God designed it, well, the pastor or the priest is going to have authority to set rules and make you abide by those rules. And if you don't abide by those rules, he has the authority to remove you from the gathering, to expel the immoral brother. And so I was thinking about it and I was like, well, in reality, is she doing wrong? Is it planned that, that God wants her in that specific position? Well, if you're filling it from a priestly perspective, no, but, is her actions in what she's doing wrong is only determined by whether she's trying to exert authority to have authority over men. And that's what Paul was talking about in Corinth when he spoke about, I don't allow a woman to have authority in the church. That's what he was saying, that I, I don't allow a woman to have that authority over the men. That That's a, a, a man's responsibility to take care of that. And that's what we'll do. So we, somebody in Christianity might be looking at her 
telling her she's doing wrong. Well, any other pastor in Christianity that is teaching what they teach without knowing the truth is doing wrong. Well, why would why would you berate her instead of the male pastor or preacher that was there before her? What's the difference? Because it comes down to what you think and what you want rather than what the truth of God says. And there's a place in ministry for women without fail. There's a place in ministry for women. The Bible makes that clear. Minister in accordance with that. And as men and women in this world, if we would focus on what God wants me to be, then I can lead by example. So if I'm doing everything I can to be what God wants me to be, then what do I have to tell her? She will follow my example. And if she sees me being the godly man that I profess to be, that will compel her to want to be a godly woman, which will then uh, drive her to dig and to search and to look into and talk to God and figure out what actually is appropriate in accordance with what your design for women was. And this whole aspect of submission was never about a man demanding that the wife do something. That you, you always make requests because your objective is to be unified anyway. And we look at stories like the Proverbs 31 woman and the story of Deborah, the judge. Well, Deborah was a beautiful picture of what a woman's supposed to be a beautiful picture of submission in the midst of having a position to make judgments about what was right or what was wrong. But she didn't cross the bounds of, uh, like the story with Barack, she didn't cross the bounds of trying to force him to go to the battle and to try to force him to go to the battle alone. She made the statement that this this is for you to go to, and then he was like, "No, well, I won't. I, I'm not, I won't go if you don't if you don't go." And she was like, "Okay, well, she submitted to him, but she also made the statement that the Lord's not going to give this victory to you. The Lord's going to give this victory to a woman. Do you still want to do this?" And he said he wasn't going to go without her. He wouldn't go. And so she submitted to go. And because from today's day and age, no, this is what God told me to tell you to do. And that's what you're going to do. You better do it or there's going to be a consequence. No, she didn't do any of that. And Deborah's a great example of what a godly woman would look like. And we have... Uh, a lot of Old Testament women, the Proverbs 31 woman, Ruth, 
Esther. Rahab. Right, Rahab. And Rahab was a prostitute. But how many, not realizing it, we've been prostitutes in our sinful life um, and using God and prostatizing ourselves. So it's a something I wanted to add in because you were talking about Deborah that stood out to me in it. Not only did she, she was a prophet because she spoke the word of God. This is what the, the Lord says that you're going to do this. And she says, he says, well, if you go with me, I'll go. And she says, certainly I'll go with you. Like it wasn't a, all right, well, I have to No, certainly I'll go with you, but it's like you would say, but know this, that the victory is going to, the glory is going to be for a woman, not for you. And they went in and, and, and you even, you had mentioned this, you didn't mention it by name, but the, the woman from there, which JL was when that guy, I think it was Cicero was attempting to get away from it. And then he comes to the tent and give me water and she gave him milk to drink and then puts a tent peg through his temple and he dies. And you would think, well, why would that happen? Well, because he was going against God and um, Barak was doing, was walking with what God said, but it made me think of something you said recently is doing what is okay to do, but what is actually what Yah wants? Does Yah want Barak to, well, make sure that Deborah goes with you or I'll do what God says. Deborah, go along with me. Okay, yeah, I'll go with you. And then it wouldn't be any issue, but he's like, I will not go unless. So it wasn't, he wasn't disobeying God, but it was, what's your attitude? Your attitude should be, all right, I'm going to go do this. And Deborah, I want you to go with me. Okay, I'll go with you and I'll be your support in the, in the situation. But yeah, you, you were getting what I got from it as well was that I'm in this position and I'm not demanding and saying, well, you have to, you know, cause you're, um, exerting authority, just say, this is what y'all wanted me to tell you. And here's what it is. I'll go along with you. You know, I'm, I'm with you in this situation, but just know that the point of it is the, the glory is for you to get it from God if you were to go, but it, it is, it's a, it's a willful cooperation that I'm going along with you. I'm not fighting against you. I'm, I'm here with you, but this is the role that God has for me and for you. And just, just be aware of that. And, and, when you had sent out what we're going to be talking about, I wasn't even thinking about that aspect that with the Old Testament, just because of programming, the New Testament is all that's mentioned. Now, I'm not saying that the I'm not saying that the Old Testament is never mentioned or talked about in Christianity, but have you ever heard a sermon on Deborah, maybe on Ruth, possibly um, Naomi, something like that? But I've not heard one on Deborah, and she was a judge. And this is, and I'll just preface this, we've said that this is an opinion, because I don't know for sure that with um, this woman that Anna Ruth was talking about, and she's getting ridicule from other people, looking at it from both sides, is she getting ridicule from mostly men or women or both? And, and she could answer that, but I'm thinking it. a lot of it would be from men because the Bible says that you're okay, well, doesn't the Bible also say to get away from sin and not point the finger at me? And well, you don't, don't tell me that because you're, you're not, and you get into the argument and quarrel because you rely on the, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says, but you're pointing this one thing out that's bothering you. But then what about all these other things that you're ignoring and your behavior instead of why are you pointing the finger at me that I'm wrong? 
but then you're not considering the sin in your life that you're doing that's hidden because it's easier for you to point the finger at me as you're not supposed to be a woman as a pastor. And then I get to hide all my sins and things like that. So dealing with that battle and just from Anna Ruth talking about meeting with her, I don't see, and again, opinion, uh, I'm not discerning that she's lording things over other people that because she's getting ridiculed that, Hey, I'm just, I'm here to do what I'm called to do. And why are you ridiculing me when we're supposed to be unified here? Why are you? Yes. I I see that the word of God says this because is, is she really in the position of authority? Does she even have that authority or is it just a title? That's, and again, that we don't know those, the answers to that. We're not literally there, but I'm just discerning that it's, that she's, I'm not seeing it as though she's going in there and well, you have to do this. I'm not seeing that necessarily. Well, here's what's interesting. A lot of times in Christianity, it's a hidden perspective of the women having authority over the men. At the church that we used to go to, did the pastor there make all the decisions and finalize those decisions? No, a lot of his decisions hinged on what the, the women said. And I remember him saying about the, the decorating committee. And once they decorated the sanctuary, that if you went in and moved anything, you were going to get, you get what for and all that. It's like, you're the pastor. And if you have a reason that you need to move something and they have a problem with it, too bad. That That's because there's a reason why I did this, but there was a lot of, there's a lot of, you can outwardly look at a woman and say, you're not supposed to be in that position of a pastor, but you look at all the men who are pastors and how many women that they're uh, catering to and they're coddling and they're, because they don't want to, they don't want to put up a big stink and you know, we're not going to teach about what submission is and true submission and the understanding of it. And why? Because, well, they're going to get upset and they're going to be yelling at me and I don't know what to do with that. And so you're in a hidden aspect of allowing a woman to have authority rather than in this position if if she actually has that authority. But look at most of your churches. The pastor doesn't have the authority. The committees have the authority. The bylaws, the doctrines that are written that they come up with have that control. He doesn't have that control. And a lot of times I saw it firsthand because I was being a deacon in that church and I knew the things that went on behind the scenes and how there was a lot of trying to appease women because the women would try to, they would, well, they would exert authority and they would get their way. And so somehow it's different because you have a female who gets in that position. Well, you're just taking out the middleman from that perspective. And again, from the objective of God and a priest, a rabbi, I. Uh, the objective of God is that that is a position of authority that uh, has to be used to I uh, to have control. And so, if it pertains to a woman 
having authority over another woman, not a problem. But a woman to have authority over the man, that's not what that wasn't God's design. Now, when we look at the story of Deborah, okay, it wasn't that Barak was like, don't, don't speak. Just you're going to go with me. Just no. She was like, she was presenting what the truth of God was. And the truth of God is you go, go into this battle. The Lord's going to give you victory. And you go with the fighting men. And so she laid it out. She spoke wisdom and truth. He was the one that said, no, I'm not going unless you go with me. She even reiterated that. No, this isn't the right way because the battle will be given to a woman, not a man. I won't go if if you don't go. Okay. Then, then after she spoke what the truth was, then she submitted. Okay. That's what you say. Then I'll go with you. And it's a beautiful example of what a woman should do, but she didn't do it with an irate tone, with a uh, attitude. She spoke the truth. And when you speak the truth, the truth is the truth. You don't have to uh, do it with an attitude and because I'm going to get you to well, why would I show an attitude? Because I want you to be scared of me so that you'll do what I want you to do. And no, you can check that attitude at the door because as soon as you display an attitude, I know you're not acting in appropriation with the truth of God. And therefore, I'm not going to tolerate it. And so that's a beautiful example for Deborah of speaking the truth. And this message for men who are listening to this, the Spirit of God is the wisdom of God. The Spirit of God is the detailed wisdom of God. And she is a female. Your wife has detailed wisdom. Now, does that mean she's right all the time? No. But she will bring details to a situation that you haven't thought about. And if you don't evaluate those, then shame on you because you're not allowing or using her from the aspect of what she's created to be. That women, in a general sense, women are detailed, men are big picture. Men look at the big picture and, oh, wow, that picture up there, it's it's got some flowers and it's in a mason jar. And then that's a man's perspective. Then a woman's perspective is, oh, but they're sunflowers and they have green leaves and you have the brown in the middle and it's not just a regular mason jar. It's, you know, they go into the details of it. Why? Because that's what they see. And a lot of times men could avoid uncomfortable and bad situations if they would listen to what their wife says and evaluate it against the truth. Oh, is what they said true? 
They may have a different agenda. They may have a purpose of, well, I'm telling you this because I don't want you to do this thing. The key factor is, is it true? If it's true, then go with what the truth of it says. This just came to mind speaking to the men, and you could have the reciprocal of this as well. The scriptures coming to mind of have respect for your wife and so that your prayers are not hindered. Well, why would they be hindered? Because you're not, are you, do you have full confidence in your wife? Because remember in Proverbs 31, it says that the husband is respected at the city gate and he has full confidence in his wife. That doesn't mean that you just, everything, I see something wrong and I'm going to tell you every time. It means, no, I have confidence that uh, uh, she's in Yah's hand. She's doing the will of God. And I have confidence in her. And it just made me think of make sure that you're doing your part, figuring out what you're called to do and you live that. And that's the best help for either side to walk in, in the unity of this. And what the Proverbs 31 woman mentions goes down the list of all the things that she's doing and you don't see the husband interfering and well, you need to fix this. You need to fix that. And you need to No, it says that the, he has full confidence, meaning that no, I'm not saying I'm not going to say anything, but I have full confidence that she's making decisions and I'm good with it. We're unified. And just having that attitude of, we just talked about this on the podcast is unity. That's the thing. The knowing what a man and a woman is, is so that once you know that and you walk in that, you can walk in unity the way that y'all wanted, instead of having fights and quarrels where you're not unified and you're frustrated because the other person isn't doing what you want. They're frustrated because you're not doing what they want instead of let's do what's best for everybody and figure out what y'all wants us to do in this and let's do it and, and, and work on ourselves. Word of God says that to make sure you see justice done at every point and that justice done at every point is internal with yourself. This is just where we're focusing now on giving women information, but we'll have other podcasts where we'll focus on men in the same aspect. So this is for everybody. This is not a, you know, beating down women. No, this is to help women and to see things from a godly perspective, but it's also to help men to realize men don't be focusing on thinking that, you know, what a woman is supposed to walk like in the truth of it. If you don't know, then quit pointing the finger at your wife or other women and you figure out how to live it in yourself first before which will give you the authority to bring things up. But this is just a way to where there can be more and more peace on both sides and stop attempting to fix somebody else, fix yourself first, which will then give the authority to bring things to somebody else's attention in, in the circumstance. If you're living the truth of God, like Paul laid out that as a husband or a wife that you you by your good behavior are showing the example then there will be less you will have to say because your actions will speak for themselves and don't think for a minute somebody won't see through a smokescreen that you try to put up to try to act a certain way, but you feel a different way. No, they're going to see that, that 
women are watching men and this you ever heard this saying of course you have uh if mama's not happy nobody's happy and that's not only not only hearing that but going by that to where well i better make sure i don't disrupt everything because something will happen and so living that as well in the past right and my objective goal as a man of god is not to make sure she's happy all the time my objective goal is to walk in the truth of god and sometimes there needs to be something that needs to be said or a situation that she may not prefer but it's the right thing for everybody and therefore, I, I can't make you happy. Now, if I want to make a woman happy, then I'll live my life in accordance with the truth of God. And then when she does the same, when she lives her life in accordance with the truth of God and lives it out, then she will be happy. Because her happiness, her peace comes from internal not external and we want to blame a lot of other people on it on the things that happen that we don't like instead of evaluating well i don't prefer this right now but is this good for me is this best for me because nobody enjoys discipline at the time but it's later on that you accept it that you it produces a harvest of righteousness. And so we don't want to tell women how to live their life. This, this, what we're doing here is intended to get women to dig into the original covenant of God, because that's where you're going to find the women that were appropriate according to God. And you say it in the New Testament as well. Uh, but you want to go back as far as you can to the origin of, okay, let's see how the very first time that uh, this discord happened with Adam and Eve. Now, she didn't force him to eat the fruit. He chose, she was looking at the details of it, being tempted by the enemy that, oh, this this would be good for uh, gaining knowledge and understanding. And where the big picture perspective should have been, um, God said, don't touch that. I'm not touching it. But, well, she did it, so... That means it's okay. I'll do it. She didn't die, so I'll eat that fruit. You think he'd have touched that fruit if she bit the, she bit that fruit and she just <laughs> fell over dead? No. <clears throat> but when God said you'll die, he wasn't talking. He was talking physically, not uh, not immediate death. It was a physical death, but not an immediate physical death. And what our objective goal is, is to send women to the examples that were laid out of the woman of the women of the past. You live your life like they did. You will be pleasing to me. And I just make this statement here that 
the Bible does not tell women to be submissive to men. Now, the Bible does say that they're not to have authority over a man, but the woman is called to be submissive to her husband and then to uh, then to others as appropriate according to God. And Deborah exp- uh, expressing that and showing that. Uh, but we have Sarah that she didn't she didn't bat an eye when Abraham said, "Well, tell these people that you're my sister, so that they won't kill me." And so she did what he asked she she did what he asked her to do, whether he was right or not. The answerability would have been to him to God, because if you look at that situation, she was doing the things that Abraham said because he said so, but her trust was in God. She was living out a faithful trust in God because what happened? God protected her so that she wasn't um, defiled and even to the point where the uh, Abraham had to pray for the people that he went into the land so that their healing would take place. And that's a, a good example of a submissive attitude is, okay, well, this is what you say. Because for a man to be an authority over a woman, that means he has to take the responsibility for the decisions made. And he has to answer for those decisions. If you fight against it and you try to exert authority over him, now you have to answer for it. And of course, that's what Paul was talking about with the head covered and the head uncovered. Um, but the objectives of these women of the Old Testament, like Ruth, shown with her mother-in-law, but then with Boaz, what she do? She she went in and laid at his feet when he was sleeping as a sign of servitude. Not, yeah, I'm going to go in here and I'm going to I'm going to tell him what he's going to give me. And no, but because she behaved the way she did, look at the things that God allowed her to experience and have more food than they needed to eat and being left alone and being protected as, you know, make sure you don't mess with her and make sure they drop some, uh, some of the sheaves out of the bundle so that they can, so that she can glean, she can pick them up and have enough to eat. So there's a protection in the midst of you, living your life, whether you're male or female, in accordance with the truth of God. And in this day and age, you have to have faith in God to be able to fulfill this aspect of being a a male or female in this world. And you think you know what it's supposed to be in this world, but you don't. And Unfortunately, with 
women trying so hard to gain an equality with men that is already there that they attempt to do things that men do to prove that they're equal. And all that does is drive a wedge between men and women because if I'm looking for somebody to date and you're acting like a man, why would I want to date you? Because innately within me, I want the woman. I want the woman who's I, uh, who's intelligent, who is uh, ha- has the wisdom, has the details, and is submissive, and not assertive to uh, try to get her way. And if she doesn't get her way, she throws a fit. And it's like you're trying so hard to prove you're equal to a man. You're trying to become a man, or I. Uh, it can work the other way as well that why would a man be attracted to that? If you're trying to be a man, I'm not, I don't want a man. You know, if you're turned over to a depraved mind and you want a man, well, that's a different perspective and that's a whole nother uh, aspect. But the reality of this is look at the women of the past. If you want to make a guide and a decision on what you think or you know is the truth, you make that guide not based in society today, but you make it based in the reality of truth of the women of the past. Look at their submissiveness, but look at their intelligence and their detail and all the things that uh, make them a woman, we're supposed to be unified and work together as a group. And this is not about a man telling a woman what you have to be. No, you can be whatever you want. You're, you can attempt to be whatever you want to be. But if you want to be what God designed you for, then you have to go back to the basics. You have to go back to the beginning. You have to understand what the actual design of the woman was and I uh, use that design in order to be a helpmate for the woman, uh, for the woman to be the helpmate for the man where he's not capable. And then the man to be a helpmate for the woman where she's not capable and leave more of the physical uh, strenuous stuff to them, to men and leave more of the thinking and the uh, reality of details to the woman. And we work together as a unified group. That's the objective goal. And so when we look at what is a man and what is a woman, it's an absolute, you cannot judge it by today's day and age. You cannot judge it by what you have in your mind because you are programmed from a world perspective that doesn't want you to act like God wants you to act because that's the enemy of God who's driving that perspective. You can help me with something on this. I, I, I can 
I don't know if you've ever had this before. You have a vivid picture in your mind, but the name is just escaping you. you know, I'll give you the story and you can tell me what woman this is. Cause the story where the Jews, there was a decree by the King that the Jews were going to be destroyed and it was a trickery. Uh, and she prayed to God then she said that if I die, I die, but that to call for repentance. And who is the woman? Esther. Esther. Thank you. I was just sitting there. I asked mother for help. I'm like, mother, who is this? It's, I'm just sitting there like the picture, but that's another one of, well, you have to do the, and it was like a call for repentance for the people. And I just remembered that look at the boldness before God, that if I die, I die, but I'm, I'm pouring out my heart to you. So we have another example. What a, a, a the strength of a godly woman like Esther, just another, just coming to mind of all the, the godly women as well involved in this. And, and I can't remember his name either. But the the one that told her to change it was it more? I don't know if it's Mordecai. Not, okay, that he wasn't like, look, do this, do that. But there was a a respect, and just so many great examples of this. This is um just really neat that we're talking about this because it just gives more information to give women out there that have been because of programming thinking, well, I'm nothing because I'm, um, I just have to do this and I have to do that. And the things of God are intended to be your ultimate goal is to do things because you want to do them. And the submission part is all about you wanting to do it. It's about your desire that this is what you want to do because of your consciousness towards God. And I agree with what you said, the, the fact of it's not being submissive to all men, it's submissive to your husband. And I wanted to go back to Sarah, that it came to mind that there was nothing in the word of God where Yah rebuked Sarah for, why are you telling them that you're his sister? You're not his sister. You need to tell them that, that it's your husband. No, we don't get any of that. And I can't remember the name of it. And the name doesn't matter. But the person that Yah came to the person and said, you need to don't lay a, a finger on, don't lay a hand on Sarah. And the person came back and said, well, Yah, that. I just want to make it clear there was no intent to do anything here. And y'all told them, I know there was no intent, but don't lay a finger on her because she's the wife of one of my servants. So leave her alone. And I just, it just shows the the truth of God and all aspects of the Bible that Yah in their protection is because she was walking in her role as a woman that the protection was there. If she would have stepped out and said, no, I'm not lying to those people. I'm not doing that. Then something may happen to her because she's stepping out of that protection of God because God says, no, Sarah, you walk in agreement with your husband and he's telling you to do this, do it. I'll deal with Abraham. And Yah dealt with Abraham. And it's the same with us is that the women that are out there have confidence in your husband. He makes decisions. And if there's a decision that needs to be corrected, Yah will correct it. Now, if there's something that's against the word of God, you can say, hey, evaluate this because this goes against the word of God and the husband makes a decision. All right, well, yeah, it's in your hands. Doesn't matter. You know, I'm going to just go along with with, what's, with what is going to happen here. But, And at some point we'll get into the aspect of having a podcast on the men aspect as well on what a godly man is. But I just see this as this is a help can can be a help if applied and looked to in the word of God for women and for men as well, because this 
yes, the focus is on the female aspect right now, but the men that are listening as well, look at it as a help for you as well to get more insight on what the word of God says about a godly woman. So that as you look into what a godly man is that you can see and respect that side of it as well to make sure that you are, are you doing things that is for the woman to do that you're doing that you're not seeing to evaluate, well, wait a minute, I, I shouldn't be carrying this weight of doing this or that. So this is a help. I remember y'all told us that whenever we gather and talk about things that yes, there is a focus on a certain group of people at a time or a person, but it still is for everybody. So when you listen to the podcast, look on how it speaks to you about your situation. Even you would think, well, well, I'm a man. This has nothing to do with me. No, it does. Because if you are a godly man, you're seeking after Yah with all your heart. You should be looking at women from the perspective of how Yah sees women and have relationships with women. Well, how can you better your relationships with women if you don't understand what a godly woman's role is and what they're working on so that you can work on yourself to make sure that you're loving your wife as Christ loved the church. Well, how did Messiah treat the church? So you should be treating your wife the same way, washing her with water through the word, which means you're living the truth of God and being the example for her to follow to make sure that everybody's living it correctly. So just, just interject about how, even though we, focus on certain things it still is for everybody listening if you're seeking with all your heart you're seeking after faith in god you're in faith in god that every lesson is for everybody so just find where you can get the help for your situation for you yourself you know godly woman is to be praised and how many husbands out there actually have full confidence in their wives that, you know what, whatever decision she makes, it's going to be okay because I have full confidence in her. Now, she has to act in accordance with the reality of truth of God in order for her to own that, but she has the ability to own that because of walking in the reality of truth of God. And that's what this is about. This is about each individual doing what God designed them to do and not trying to go beyond that. But you can't help yourself in this world because you're programmed a certain way. You're even programmed to point out everybody else's sin and everybody else's wrongdoing while you hide yours, while you keep quiet about yours instead of doing the reverse confess your sins to one another is you, you talk about what you've done. Don't talk about, it doesn't say confess somebody else's sins to one another, confess your sins to one another. So if I'm vulnerable to tell you what the struggles are before circumcision of the heart that I have to confess my sin, then that will ease your mind to know that, well, if he's done these things, then certainly he's not going to hold it against me. What, the things that I've done. And so now I can, it opens the door for somebody else to share what their uh, faults are. And that's what allows you to move along that path into circumcision of the heart. And this is pivotal that people recognize and understand that if you want to be a woman of God, you are not going to be pleasing to women 
of the world. And if you want to be a man of God, you're not going to be pleasing to men of the world. And you're not going, if you're trying to be a man of God, you're not going to be pleasing to a woman of the world. You will only be pleasing to a woman of God by your behavior. You're doing what you're supposed to do. That, that's what Paul was saying when he spoke about marriage and whether you will save your husband or your wife. It's not about what you tell them. It's about you live that life that God designed for you to live in faith. And that will be the example that that person needs. So you won't have to lord it over somebody. You won't have to be demanding about things. You just live your life because that's what's going to be the best example. And if they follow that example, then they will find salvation. And if they don't follow that example, then they'll pay the consequence. You don't have to pay the consequence for somebody else. You only pay the consequence for yourself. And this is why it's so important that women learn to understand that, well, one, that you have a part of God that you can relate to, and that is the spirit, the female perspective. And then your objective goal in faith is to live as the spirit lives. We don't see any discord between the spirit and God. We, where did you ever see discord displayed between Abraham and Sarah, between uh, Ruth and Boaz, there wasn't because they were living in accordance with the reality of truth of God. And this definitely goes against the things of this day and age where as a woman, your first objective and priority is to make sure the house is taken care of. You make sure you know, that the kids are fed, that the, uh, they, they have clothes to wear. And you can find all this stuff as you look in the Old Testament, the Proverbs 31 woman. It doesn't say she has to sit at home and be in the kitchen all day long and do all these things, and she has to be barefoot. And No, there's some aspects that are good to the aspect of barefoot and pregnant or I. Uh, kitchen children church that's an actual perspective that well yeah you spend your time in the kitchen as needed and as appropriate just as well as i'll spend my time in the kitchen as needed and appropriate and there's not an aspect that says that uh, cooking within itself is woman's work that and you you've heard that over the years you know, cooking and cleaning, that's woman's work. But a unified couple working together will work those things out together. I mean, honestly, if it's up to men to cook dinner all the time, more than likely you're just going to have meat and maybe some potatoes and then that's it. But women will get in there and they'll get the vegetables and they, they they'll do more variety than what well, we will. Why? Cause they're more detailed. They're more, well, you know, it's like they don't wear the same 
dress or clothing out in public two times in the same month or the same week or it's no i can't do that where as a guy as long as it's not uh walking away on its own you'll wear things two three times four times in a week if if need be and it's no big deal to you so it's really a lot of this is just the differences between men and women that women are truly more detailed than men and men are more big picture so when we work together she can help me see details that i didn't see and i can help her to see the big picture so she can get out from underneath of the details because you can get bogged down in the details just as much as you can get lost in the big picture and the objective goal is that both work together to keep a balance and that balance is made in equality by you being what god wants you to be not being what the world has told you you need to be, but live a life, whether you're male or female, that's pleasing to God. And there's many people that profess that they have faith in God and they're pleasing God. But yet from this aspect of men and women, they're, they've switched roles or they're not doing what is appropriate. And when you think you want to point the finger at somebody else, don't. Point it back at yourself first. Evaluate. You see it in somebody else. You see it for a reason. And that reason is that you can make corrections within yourself. And you will not be pleasing to the world when you live this concept in reality of submission to a husband, but it's what God says. It's what God asks for. And if you believe in God, if you have faith in God, you will not fight against it. You will not argue with it. You will recognize that, well, this I haven't been doing this, but I, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to be what God wants me to be. Uh, because again, with faith, the obligation goes away. You don't want to be doing it. Well, I, I do this because the Bible says, or God said to be submissive to my husband. So I'm going to be submissive. Well, no, because then you're doing it out of obligation. And the objective is set your mind and your heart that I want to do the things of God. Then I have to train myself how to do them and to be uh, for it to be pleasing to me in the process of doing it. And so there are some very great examples in the Bible of godly women, as well as examples of not of women who are not godly. Uh, there's one that's coming to mind. I can't remember exactly where it is. I think it's in numbers uh, where it, refers to the the women of Bashan as cows and you demand your husbands go get you something to drink now see that's a position of shown in the old covenant of somebody who is lording or who is having authority over a man and if the man 
bows down to that, then he's just as guilty as she is because he allows her to do it. And so this is more a perspective of you lining up with the reality of God, because in that story, though, they, the, the objective was that, that they would be destroyed because of their not living in accordance with what their design was of God. And so a lot of good places within the Bible that women can look at. And so what if somebody in this world thinks that you're wrong or you're weak because you're doing these things and well, you're letting your husband do that or you're letting your wife do that. It's, it doesn't matter. What matters is the reality of truth of God. And am I living my life according to the plan of God? Because in the end, that's what's going to determine whether I had faith or not. Did I live this faith out? And shame on us if we ridicule other people because they sin. Because I sinned. I've sinned in the past. Circumcision of the heart has removed that, but I don't forget that. That I've sinned, and so I'm just as guilty. And just because I've found that place of relief from it doesn't mean that the guilt wasn't there. And why should I have anything other than compassion and the will and the want for somebody to find the truth of God rather than to degrade them and put them down. Now, if we're in a conversation and we're talking, I'm going to state the truth, but I don't have to be ugly about it. I don't have to be, say it in a mean tone or, uh, no, this is what the word of God says. If you reject it, that's on you. But most people don't know what the word of God says. They just go on what they've been taught and what they've been told that the word of God says, which puts you in a position to be a false follower, and you will have to answer for that. Anytime somebody teaches something that goes that is contrary to what the word of God says, you have to answer for that. You have to answer for listening and agreeing with it even though you knew that the word of God said something different. And it is difficult to break free of the programming that you have. And it takes an intense effort to dig in, figure out choices that you made, decisions that you made, things that, that shaped your life, and then use them to reshape it for the truth and the reality of God. So, Sean, as we're winding down right now, do you have any other thoughts that you want to share? No, I'll just say that the information given, just a wonderful information from Yah, just give praise to Mother and Yeshua and Abba for giving us this information and just the wish is that those that are listening will take this in and really look into it and really look into the women of the Bible and see that there are godly women and looking at their example and just learning more about this. So no, just really y'all made it all their points out 
uh, that's pretty much all I have to add to it. All right. Well, we will end for this morning and hope everybody has a good weekend and we'll be back on Tuesday at 730. God willing. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Revealed. We want to leave you with this thought. The greatest treasure in life, and especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, you may gain head knowledge, but if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure non-stop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, and you will receive. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God, and you will be blessed by it.